0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: Hi, everyone. I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'm so delighted to have you join us here on our Game Time podcast. In football parlance, today's guest is known as a Swiss Army Knife. He can actually catch passes, he could run reverses, and on occasion they even ask him to throw. But it was his kick returning heroics that earned him first-team All-Pro honors back in 2021. It is my pleasure to welcome Braxton Berrios of the New York Jets. Braxton, welcome to our Game Time Podcast.
3: Thank you for that intro.
2: Uh, you're welcome. Hey, listen, Braxton, this March following your All-Pro season, you signed a two-year, $12 million contract with the Jets and said, I don't want to chase every penny. I wasn't trying to auction off to the highest bidder. This was comfortable, a great destination for me. What other teams were under consideration, and what was it about the Jets' situation that made you feel so comfortable?
3: Um, you know, there, there were a few other teams under consideration, but, you know, it's, uh, I, I felt what was going on here. Um, and I, I wanted to be a part of it and I think uh, I, I really felt that page turning and I wanted to uh, I wanted to see it through
2: all right our podcast listeners may be wondering what we're opening with what seems like old news well there's actually an updated twist. On your decision to return to gangrene, the fateful phone call was actually captured on camera as a part of the filming of your girlfriend Sophia's new reality show, The Couple Sisters, uh, which premiered, of course, on TLC in November. Did you ever imagine yourself doing cameos in a reality show?
3: Uh, no, I did not. I, I, <laughs> I absolutely did not. But um, such is life,
2: right? Well, in this day and age of social media, Instagram, Twitter, everything else. So what was it like to double date with Olivia Culpo and her boyfriend, Christian McCaffrey?
3: Uh, you know, it, it was awesome. You know, me and Christian, uh, especially in the off season, we'd go work out and then happen to find ourselves playing 18 holes. And, you know, our girlfriends, obviously sisters would be wondering where we are, but they can't get mad at us because they're sisters. And they're supposed to be able to uh, to hang out all the time. So it, it really worked in our favor.
2: You know, how cool was it to see uh, Christian get traded to the 49ers?
3: You know, I, I, he's, he's happy. Obviously, they have a great team out there in um, San Fran. And, you know, obviously sucks what happened with, uh, with Jimmy. But I, I think they're in good hands.
2: All right. Does the name Krista Levitas ring a bell? And what made you call her after you signed your new contract? And should Sophia be jealous?
3: Sophia should not be jealous. She followed the whole, I believe it was 71 or 72 days of 78
2: uh, days, 78 78 days days of the
3: uh, of the tweets. Um, Yeah, she tweeted at me every single morning uh, for the most part for for 78 days straight during free agency. And, uh, you know, that 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 passion obviously paid off. And I had to uh, had to give her a call and uh, tell her thank you. And that I, I saw every one of them.
2: At all of those uh, tweets, uh, she actually tagged the New York Jets and she was, you know, just telling them to finally sign you and get the deal done. So she did a good job.
3: Yeah, she was she was partly an agent at that point in time.
2: All right, let's fast forward to week 11. It looked like for sure the Jets and the Patriots are going to go into overtime, tied at 3 all. Now, I don't, I'm trying to pick up a bad memory, but what I want to do is get your feelings about what Marcus Jones did. He ran back an 84-yard punt for the winning score with 26 seconds left. Now, I know it was a nightmare for you guys, and I know for you individually it's a nightmare, but as a punt returner, isn't that the kind of scenario that everybody dreams of?
3: Yeah, uh, that is that is the ideal scenario, Um, you know, tied game or, you know, maybe you're down by whatever, less than a touchdown. And, you know, it's late in the fourth quarter. And if you don't get a big return, then, you know, you're probably going to go into overtime. And then obviously, who knows what happens? I mean, that's the ideal situation. And, um, you know, he he did a great job. Uh, You know, we we lost contain. We we, you know, had a few mistakes uh, on the coverage team, but, you know, he they took advantage of it. They set up a good return and everybody did their job, him included.
2: We're talking with Brexton Berrios of the New York Jets here on the Game Time Podcast. So let's face it, 2022 was supposed to be yet another rebuilding year for the Jets. Few, if any, pundits expected gangrene to be playing meaningful games in December. So in your eyes, what accelerated the success timetable and what impact did this year's draft class have on the team? I would say it was from
3: the top down, Um, you know, give uh, Joe Douglas and, you know, that whole staff all the credit in the world. And, uh, you know, obviously in the draft and the free agency signings and, you know, with this staff that came over last year, you know, we really felt that, uh, you know, it didn't feel like a four win season uh, in the building. And there are no moral victories in football, but, you know, just in the locker room, it it didn't feel like it was it was that way. Um, And then finally, this year so far, we've uh, we've kind of been able to put that on film and, uh, you know, in, in the record
2: You know, you've had an incredible journey yourself as a professional football player already. A couple injuries in New England. We'll get to those a little bit later on. I'm just wondering, dealing with the quarterback situation in New York, you have a young kid in Zach Wilson trying to find his way. I know you're close friends. I know you worked out in Miami together. There's a lot of positive going into the season, and unfortunately, your coach makes a decision that, uh, you know, is probably not a popular one with Zach. How's he handling the decision, and how are you guys supporting him?
3: Uh, You know, we're, we're, you know, he's in the locker room every day, obviously in the same meetings at practice. And, you know, he's, uh he's obviously taking it in stride, um, doing whatever, you know, him or the coaches feel like he has to do uh, to get better. And, you know, to, to assume that position, but uh, you know, we're, we're behind him a hundred percent of the way. And, you know, obviously same thing with Mike white at this moment,
2: I was going to say, you brought up Mike white. It's a dichotomy, right? You got, you're really close to Zach Wilson but you also have to be close to Mike White. You got to support Mike White in his endeavors. He's had his own career journey as well, and he certainly has brought a spark to this team. What is it about Mike White that gives you confidence that he can be the quarterback?
3: You know he's uh, everything he's put on tape, um, and you know we we've seen it. Uh, I think he got here in 2019 um, with me, uh, so you know we we've both been here for for a while, and kind of uh, everybody who's been here has seen you know what Mike can do, and uh, you know obviously he's he, he's had a, a great stretch so far, and you know this this entire team's really close, and I think that helps uh, a lot, where everybody is supporting everybody, you know Zach included, and uh, you know it makes everything uh, a lot easier.
2: Do you think us in the media make it worse for you guys that are playing these days?
3: (laughs) I think you try your best.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We do try our best, but, you know, we can can never really pierce the locker room. And that's a good thing. And that is a sign of a close team. There's no question about that. Now, you have become the king of the gadget play with the Jets. Uh, How much of those do you enjoy, you know, kind of getting ready for, knowing that the coach, Michael LaFleur, is going to call him in the game?
3: Oh it's uh it's fun. You know obviously I'm I'm itching to to get it called just as you know we all are of our specific plays and you know when I hear it in the huddle I still you know get a little giddy get a little excited um but yeah it's 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 been a lot of fun you know kind of kind of being that uh you, you said it earlier the Swiss army knife that you know I'm I'm down to do whatever whenever and uh you know the, everybody knows that
2: you know, speaking in gadget plays, week four, you pulled off the successful double reverse pass to quarterback Zach Wilson. I'm just wondering when you're throwing it to him, are you thinking, man, don't drop this ball?
3: No, I, I, honestly, the only thing I thought about was you just got to get it there. I mean, he was so wide open that it, uh, you know, it made it it made it harder of a throw because obviously, if I missed, it was uh, it would have been terrible. So I, I knew he uh, if I got it to him, he would catch it. So once I once I threw it, actually, I, I looked away. I was already uh, looking at the sideline celebrating before he caught it.
2: Are you as amazed as I am that every time these teams run these plays, that they're that wide open still?
3: Um. Y- yeah. Yeah, I am. Um, you know, you you would think at some point in time, uh, you know, the the DBs, the defense would figure it out. But, uh, you know, I guess that's that's the new day and age when you have a lot of different things going on, a lot of different gadget plays, reverses, reverse passes. Um, you know, it, it tends to keep them on their heels a little bit more.
2: You know, and a lot less practice and more phone time and more video game fun time. <laughs> I think that affects them as well. All right, we're just getting warmed up with the great Braxton Barrios. We'll look at his early onset pigskin passion when game time continues right after to this. Welcome back to game time. Braxton Berrios grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, where starting at the age of five, he made his father throw him passes for hours on end in all sorts of weather. Now, I read a story about your mother. And she said that you were actually out there catching passes in a torrential downpour. And that's what she told the neighbor. My son's going to play in the NFL. Is that a true story?
3: Yeah, it is a true story. It was, uh, it was my first home in uh, High Point, North Carolina. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was actually a, it was a bad thunderstorm. Um, today's day and age, I highly doubt we would have been outside, but, uh, you know, it was a little bit different times back then and, uh, I guess 2000. So yeah, we, that's the true story. We were throwing in, uh, in a thunderstorm. And, you know, I mean, I was a kid. I love the mud.
2: Well, you know, back there in 2000. Try back there in 1968,
3: Braxton. I wasn't going to date you. I wasn't going to do that. <laughs>
2: okay. Listen, much like me, you played uh, basketball and baseball, and you were really good at both of those sports. What was it about football that made you choose that sport as your life, uh, your life journey?
3: Yeah, uh, I, I ended up just loving it more. Um, you know, honestly, I was probably better at baseball growing up. Uh, then I was at football. It was probably baseball was my best sport. But, you know, going from football to basketball, which, you know, is a lot of action to baseball. It uh, I didn't like to slow down as much. And so once uh, once the ninth grade hit, I played all three sports throughout, uh, you know, my childhood, throughout middle school. And then ninth grade, I uh, that, that freshman year, I got to play. I started on varsity as a uh, as a safety and a wide receiver. And I was already playing with my brother there in high school. And uh, after that season, I was like, yeah, this is this is it for me.
2: So unlike me, you were a four-star recruit. You had more than 20 scholarship offers. Basically all the major colleges offered you scholarships, Ohio State, Clemson, Oregon, Tennessee, and you chose the University of Miami. Why?
3: Uh, so, my dad was from Miami, so I grew up a Miami fan um you know from the moment I can remember college football, I was watching the u so that was always my dream and uh and then you know, when I got that offer there was there was still a decision to be made. I'll be very clear about that, but you know my my loyalty won over it was uh, it was what I always wanted to do.
2: You know, I don't know if people know this about you, but in four seasons with the Hurricanes, of course you caught 100 passes, you know, 1,175 yards, 14 touchdowns. Those things are all great, but here's the part that many people probably do not know about you, and I think it's the most impressive part of who you are. You were a double major in finance and entrepreneurship, and you finished as your valedictorian at the University of Miami Business School. So how did you manage to star both in football and become a valedictorian?
3: Um, it, it was never a, uh, it, it honestly wasn't a thing at first. I just, I have a, I had a competitive edge and it, and it just didn't flip off when it went to the classroom. And so through uh, freshman, sophomore year, I had straight A's and then junior year comes around and, you know, I, uh, I was like, you know what, I might, I might be able to do this. And so from then really from junior year on, I really challenged myself to, uh, to complete that, to do that, to try to get straight A's through college, um, failed. Failed in that. I got 1B, but, uh, but, you know, we left with other accolades. And, you know, it was just uh, I, I wanted to be really, really good and proud um, of anything I put my name on, whether it was football or the classroom and anything outside of that. So it really just kind of happened, I guess.
2: Well, um, you certainly have done that thus far. Now, this past off season, you threw out the first pitch at Alex Rodriguez Field before a Virginia-Miami game. Now, you have to tell me the story behind this crazy jacket you wore. What is that all about?
3: Oh, Iron Arrow. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the highest honor at the University of Miami. Um, it's, it's a honor society that you can only get, you know, inducted in either if you're in school there or you're a faculty there. And, you know, it has, uh, it has really, really deep, um, roots and tradition in the University of Miami. And yeah, the jackets are pretty cool too.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, you look pretty good in it. All right, Braxton, you were drafted 2010th overall by New England back in 2018. Given your profile, Braxton, everything I found out about you today, you know, you were the prototypical Bill Belichick player, if you will, like Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. Were you surprised that the Pats picked you?
3: Um, you know, I, I was happy for anybody to pick me at that point in time. I'll be very honest, but uh I was, yeah, I was surprised. I was hopeful um, that they were one of the teams that were in it, and uh, you know, obviously, when it happened, it was it was a special
2: moment. You know, I know you got hurt uh, during your rookie season. You were put on IR. So, how were you able to contribute to that year's Super Bowl victory over the Rams?
3: Yeah. You know, luckily I, uh, I was a, I was around the building 24 seven, um, kind of on the same schedule as everybody else. You know, a lot of times, I guess when guys go on IR, they can, you know, they can go rehab somewhere else, go train somewhere else. But I was fortunate enough where I was in the building, um, you know, the same time everybody else was. And I was, uh, each week I was going through the team's defense and writing up scouting reports and stuff. And, you know, obviously trying to be an asset any way that I could. Um, and it was, it was, uh, it was, it was a really cool year
2: so you know i have to ask you tom brady your teammate your rookie year did you say much to him and how did he treat you (laughs)
3: uh he he treated me like just one of the guys he he introduced himself to me um came up hey i'm tom and you know obviously he needs no introduction so i i thought that was kind of funny but you know it was it was awesome sitting in those uh those meeting rooms and you know on the practice field and, and learning from him just uh you know all his experience all his knowledge just trying to you know soak up anything that you could
2: you know, it's interesting. The next summer, you suffered a hamstring injury in training camp, and you said that New England looks at injuries differently than other places. What did you mean by that?
3: Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly when I said that, but you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't a viable option um, coming in Week One because of that. So,
2: so you felt a little bit dismayed, and I'm sure so, I'm sure disappointed. I would imagine you probably you wanted to stay there, but unfortunately, Bill Belichick has his ways of doing things.
3: Uh, yeah, you know, obviously, uh, you know, I, I went to the University of Miami because it was uh, it was a loyalty thing. And so, you know, obviously, when they when they drafted me, you kind of want to you want to make them right. You know, you want to make good on that. Um, and so, of course, you know, you're you're extremely disappointed because, you know, I saw no life after, you know, that one team because <laughs> that's kind of all I knew. And, you know, in high school and college, you know, it was uh, it was where you go is is where you play. So it was it was very disappointing.
2: You know, I'm thinking about your first year. You said you stayed with the team. You did some scouting. You wrote up some scouting reports. I'm wondering what you learned from Bill Belichick, and how would you characterize the Patriots' way? Now, some of his ex-players say it's a little bit too rigid. Others say, hey, listen, you know, it may not be fun, but we win.
3: You know, and and it may not be for everybody. Um, You know, it's – it's you, you learn so much. I mean, everything's very in-depth. And, um, you know, you I think as a competitor, um, you you got to appreciate appreciate it all um, and, and appreciate all the all the things you learn there and just just how it is. I mean, you uh, it's it's. You learn so much, really, um, from top down, from offense to defense to special teams. And, you know, you, you prepare in that way as well. And, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's for everybody, but, um, you know, I, I enjoy my time there.
2: Here's the interesting I'll give you a little quick story. So in uh, 1999, my dad passed away, and Bill was the defensive coordinator for the Jets at the time. And lo and behold, I live on Long Island. The Jets used to practice at Hofstra University. Yep. And in the back of, uh, you know, back of the funeral home, there sits Bill Belichick. And I could not believe that he came to my dad's funeral. So, you know, that shows you, uh, I think, respect that somebody has for you. So.
3: No, absolutely. That's cool. I
2: I love the guy personally. And I know that he's funny behind the scenes, but you know, listen, he's a football coach. All right, we'll be right back to look at how Braxton's NFL career got into gear when he got here to Gotham City. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue with the Jets' Braxton Berrios. Now, after the Jets swooped in and claimed him on waivers from divisional rival New England in September 2019, Patriots coach Bill Belichick told Berrios' then-coach Adam Gase, hey, man, you really got a good one. We wish we could have kept him. And, you know, really, to be generous, Adam Gase certainly had his problems here. I covered him here for two years. It was not a pretty situation. Uh, I'm just wondering, you leave – the Patriots. And now you come to team turmoil. And just so you know, when I played for the Jets, I had three coaches in three years. So I know what I'm talking about when it comes to that kind of experience. How did you deal with all that?
3: uh you know you you take everything in stride um so you know like it was it was week 1 i got here and you know my my world's kind of spinning you got to learn a new offense and you know i was uh, i was a starting returner in that week um you know week 1 going into it and so ev- everything everything was new and uh when when that happens kind of beginning of the season but you feel like it's the middle of it you just you have to play catch up so it was uh there was a lot that was going on
2: There was a lot that was going on. And speaking of a lot about going on last year, the Jets clean house brought in the new head coach, Rob Sala, a new offensive coordinator, Mike LaFleur, and their number two overall draft choice, Zach Wilson, all of these guys, rookies at their respective positions. And I'm thinking, you know, what was that transition like going from Adam, you know, Bill Belichick, Adam Gason now to these new guys that come in here and take over the franchise?
3: Yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was, Almost a complete clean of house, and uh you know they they brought in some some great coaches, and obviously the the draft picks that year. And you know, like I said earlier, well, I'm sure we'll get to it—the free agents and draft picks this year. But you know, it was a uh it truly was a culture change. It was a culture shift, and you know everything was new again. You know you you have to uh you have to feel everything out. You got to learn a new offense. Um, you know, obviously Zach was fresh here. He was learning a new offense. So you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of catching up to do. But I, I think we did we. We did a great job in that moment.
2: You know, I think your wide receiver group is maybe one of the best collective groups in the NFL, and we're starting to see that now with some of the success that you've had in the passing game, you know, especially with Mike White at quarterback. What, how would you assess your room and, you know, compare it to maybe some of the other rooms around the league?
3: yeah I, I I love our room I really do um obviously the the talent's there, but the the personality, the camaraderie the the character um you know it's it's honestly a, a joy to come into work every day and uh, sit in the meeting room with those guys and you know it, it's really cool we uh we pick off each other um you know every we learn different things each and every day you know we watch other players and uh you know we, we try things on the field and see what works and you know it's been a really, really fun group so far.
2: You know, I, I see guys like Garrett Wilson, Sauce Gardner, Brees Hall. You know, this year's draft class brought some swag to the New York Jets, didn't they?
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. They did a, they did a great job. Obviously, we we did we hit a home run with the three first-round picks, and then you have Brees, and obviously we, we wish we had him still right now out there. But, you know, he'll be back next year better than ever. And, uh, yeah, this, this rookie class is, is really a special one.
2: Yeah. yeah, it really is. And Zonovan Knight comes out of nowhere, right?
3: Yeah, North Carolina state, you know. North, North Carolina boy. Raleigh. Oh, he went to NC state. Raleigh. There it yeah. is. Um yeah, and he's he's done a great job. I mean, we saw it. We saw the flashes in camp, honestly. Um and obviously I'm I'm you know, that that room was crowded as well, but he's uh he stayed patient. He kept working and you know, he he got his shot and he's really making good on it and you know, you you love to see that.
2: All right, we're chatting with the Jets, Braxton Barrios here on the game time podcast and Braxton, you know, I have an AP vote for All-Pro and I have to tell you, you were the easiest selection on my ballot last year. So what is it that makes a great returner in the NFL?
3: uh well thank you for the vote of confidence and um you know it it takes 10 other guys and be very honest um you know you uh you, you have to have some attributes sure you know the punt returns you have to be able to track the ball and you know all, all those good things we can talk about details but really it, it takes the other 10 guys on the field um you know if they're not doing their job or you know if seven out of the 10 are doing their job you really you, you're not going to have many many good returns and so i i really do give it up to uh the ten other guys on the kickoff return team and the punt return team um, all, all year long.
2: You know, since you're not only the league's premier kickoff return man, but also a student of the game, as we've learned today, we have a little contest we like to call Many Happy Returns. Are you up for the challenge?
3: <laughs> I guess we'll find out.
2: Uh, We're going to find out. Well, you are a valedictorian, so I'm assuming that you're going to know these answers. Uh, You had a 102-yard kickoff return for a touchdown against Jacksonville last season. Who took one to the house 103 yards in Week 11 this season to set an all-time NFL record with nine career kickoffs returned for touchdowns?
3: Oh, my my boy, CP, Cordell Patterson.
2: That's exactly right. Okay, here we go. Number two, who holds the NFL's all-time record For the longest kickoff return, that's a 109 yarder.
3: It's either, I wanna, it's either Devin Hester or Leon Washington.
2: Or it's your boy CP. Oh man. CP back in 2013, his rookie season with the Minnesota Vikings.
3: Wow. My bad CP. All right,
2: how long did it take before the uh, aforementioned Cordero Patterson? to race 100 how long did it take for him to race 109 yards through through and past the bears special teamers on that opening day kickoff back in 2013 how much time
3: i'm gonna say 109 yards i'm gonna say he made a few cuts say 13 seconds
2: on the nuts right there man that's great perfect all right number four who is the NFL's all-time leader in career combined kickoff and punt return yardage? Hint, by the way, he's not Cordero Patterson.
3: You know, Leon Washington is my special teams coach. Uh, one of my special teams coach. And I'm, I'm going to feel really bad if I don't guess him and it is him. So by default, Leon Washington.
2: It's not him. It's Brian Mitchell. 19,013 combined yards 19,000. with three different teams. Right. Washington, Philadelphia, and the New York Giants.
3: Wow. That's all right.
2: Final question on this test. Ten players have returned kickoff for touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Who is the only player to have returned a Super Bowl opening kickoff for a touchdown?
3: I got that one. Devin Hester.
2: That's right. Super Bowl Forty Six, Indianapolis, 92 yards, of course, versus the Saints. Now, do you think Devin Hester should be in the Hall of Fame?
3: Absolutely. There's absolutely no question about it. Period.
2: All right, walk us through real quickly everything that has to go right in order. Did a home run with a kickoff return?
3: Um, The the other 10 guys, um, honestly, the other 10 guys have to uh, have to be on their job. And then, you know, you have the kicker to beat. Um, It always helps catching the ball going forward, you know, putting the pressure on the uh, on the coverage team. And then you got to you got to pick a seam and you got to hope you pick the right one. And once you clear that, uh, really that first line, it's the kicker to beat, and you know nine times out of ten, you're you're going to be able to do that one. But yeah, the the other ten guys is about ninety eight percent of it.
2: You know, there's this little thing called courage that has to be in 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 within the guy who's doing all the returning. And Brexton, I have to tell you, it's great to talk to you today. You certainly showed us a lot of courage. I'm Boomer Esai, so we'll see you again real soon, right here on Game Time with New England Patriots linebacker Matthew Judon.